goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Transformers. I'm really happy to have with us today, Scott Taylor, AKA known as the Data Whisperer. He's a data evangelist and author, speaker, and many other things uh, known as data. Thank you, Scott, for coming onto our episode today. Thank you, thanks for having me, thrilled to be here. Scott, thank you very much. So I've been looking forward to talking to you for a while. Absolutely. So Scott, let's just start with your nickname, your moniker, uh, Data Whisperer. And for those of you that know Scott, certainly know he's not a whisperer. <laughs> so love to know how you came about uh, that nickname. I'd like to say we save the whispering for the data itself. So it's kind of a tongue in cheek approach to data management, similar to horse whispering. Data whispering helps calm data down, get it in a way that it's managed. It's always, you know, big and unruly and unstructured and crazy. So how do we help calm data down? So my view is everybody in the data management part of the space, they're a data whisperer as well. So it kind of comes from that. Okay. So, so Scott, uh, getting into, uh, you know, your focus areas, right? So I read a lot uh, about you post uh, data management, the eight eights. Um, so very creative ways of getting uh, things out there. And then you are an author, uh, you also do podcasts, and then you do videos, so you do it all. So in terms of your focus areas, uh, what, what are you trying to do? I and mean, you also call an evangelist, right? What is that you're trying to accomplish um, with all the content that you're generating? Everything is around reinforcing the strategic value of proper data management. So whether I'm doing a podcast like this or a webinar or a white paper, or even if I'm doing my puppet shows and cartoons, despite the range of tactics, everything is always comes back to and is focused on those core foundational data management techniques and, and um, applications that every enterprise needs. So, so Scott, most of the, let's start with the fundamentals of, of data management and data governance. I, I think, um, for those that practice data, they'll know this concept as master data management or, or MDM. And I know you've, you've talked about it for many years now. So let's just start with explaining to people what is master data management. And I'd love to hear from you how companies are, um, are they achieving master data management? Like how, where are we now versus, um, you know, when you first started talking and teaching people about MDM. Sure, and I focus on sort of the MD part, right? The master data, because that's a tangible output of MDM. And while MDM can be a practice area, it can be a type of packaged software. I find when I try to speak to the business side that it's even better to just talk about the data itself rather than the processes of how we got there. And I position master data as the most important data any organization has, period, dot. Now I get challenged a little bit on that, but when I do, I don't get a lot of 
suggestions about what data might be more important than master data. But my rationale for that, it's about what a company is about, right? It's customers, vendors, partners, prospects, all the relationships. It's the master data domains that cover products, brands, services, offerings, assets, materials, all the you know piece parts and vendors and things like that that go into creating the brand that a company has. So this is what it's it represents what a business does in mm -hmm. my view. Its relationships and its brands are the most important things a business has. Now where where people are going, I hope mm -hmm. that you know I've been in this master data space since probably, I, I think actually before MDM was a category of software, they used to just call it a customer master chart of accounts, right? So it's been around for as long as data has been around. And actually before it's probably older than, certainly older than computers. It's even older than electricity. If you think about an old fashioned, you know, financial ledger, yeah. the list of accounts, the list of relationships that was their master data. So every organization is built on that. I think Today, people are realizing more and more that unless you have that foundation straight, unless you have that highly structured, well-governed, authenticated set of content, a lot of these other things you want to do are just simply not going to happen. So actually, um, probing a little bit more on that one, Scott, the question is, so no, two questions, actually. Number one, who are your audience when you're talking about, hey, you know, organization, you got to look at master data management. So is your audience somebody on the IT side of the world, right? So who know about, okay, I need to create a master and all this stuff. Are you uh, talking to the business side of the world, like the chief marketing officer or, or you know, chief sales officer or whoever that is, right? So that's one question. Okay, number one. Number two uh, question related to that is, so when you are, you know, talking to that particular audience about master data man management, have you seen an evolution in terms of their, their reception to it over a period of time? Like, so you've been at it for like quite some time. So let's say 10 years ago, uh, what was the reception? Like five years ago, what's the reception? And now with all the AI, this and, you know, 5G kind of stuff. So what's the reception to the master data uh, aspect of it? Who's the audience and what's the reception evolution or a period of time? The, the audience that I started with since my, I started in the space from the supplier side, from the vendor side, selling master data services okay. in the form of actual data itself. So working for Nielsen, Dun & Bradstreet, these sources of syndicated pre-mastered content is the word that I use to describe it. And the core audience there is the IT side now as it's developed to answer, sort of blend the answer to both your questions, now there's more of the CDO office, which wasn't around when I, when I started. But what I found was I helped the IT side explain it to the business side. Okay. And so I've lived in that little gap between what IT wants to do, which is generally the how, mm -hmm. and the business side, which really only wants to understand the why. Why are we funding this? Why does it matter? Why do I care? A CEO is talking to you about MDM. They're probably not going to ask what, how you do it, but they're certainly going to ask, why are you even telling me about this? Yeah. Why is this important to me? Why does it fit in my strategy? You know, it's, so there's that gap in there always between kind of that, the requirements and the implementation versus the strategy and the understanding the rationale. 
Actually, sorry, that was the reason I asked you a question. Like, for example, if I go to chief financial officer, hey, you, you got to care about your data. You got to have a master data management. Like, they, they may or may not care about it, right? So they do know that they have to make decisions based on the insights from data. But uh, if I go and tell them, so do you have master data? They may not look at that. That's the reason I was asking you that question. And, and you know, finance is where kind of master data started, you know, going back to the chart of accounts. So in my journey, speaking with financial folks, financial executives, they understand the principles more than, and to answer your, your second question, more than marketing people used to. Now with the implementation of so many systems, part of what's happened is people are, departments that weren't really data oriented, marketing is probably a good one, are now you know, built off of systems, right? The MarTech 7000 and all those other kind of crazy lists of, of all the different systems and applications and, and, and that you can put into play to help, help marketing. Those didn't exist when I started. And having them understand now that yes, these systems are important, but the systems run on data and the data that they really run on has to be mastered and governed. That's kind of the process you got to take people through to have them understand it. You know, everything demos perfectly. So if you get rid of a CMO and you're demoing something, oh, it works wonderfully, but the, because the data in the demo is perfect. Now, once you put it into play, you know, you, just because you buy a frying pan doesn't mean you know how to cook. Yeah. And you've got to have that uh, understanding of the techniques and the rationale behind it before you just try and flip a switch and turn on a new system and expect it to do all the things it did in the demo. And actually, Ramesh, I would also just say, I think a shift has also been the fact that chief financial officers have always been consumers of data. And I think, Scott, you know that consumers are now very aware and asking the right questions around about data and um, how it should be used. Um, but and uh, Scott, my question for you is, um, you know, you talk about the gap which I love between business and technology, because that's where I, I also used to reside. I love that gap. Um, but you also talk about um, data storytelling, which I think is a very good topic because you help explain the, the um, you know, the, the like not story, but you explain really to, and connect the dots to the business and make them really emotional. I think there's an emotional concept part of storytelling that makes them really understand why they need to, you know, uh, invest in technology and do all the heavy lifting work around data. Um, so please, I'd love to hear um, more about some of the business data storytelling um, efforts you've done. I looked at the space and went, okay, data storytelling is probably the hottest non-technical thing going on in the data space right now. It's got a name now. It's its own category. We've been telling yeah. stories forever. But I looked and went, okay, most of the data, all of the data storytelling activity that I saw was focused on the analytics side, telling stories with data, visualization, charts and graphs, how to put it into play with, with a business activity. These are all extremely important but I didn't see any data storytelling for data management. So that's where I took it upon myself and said, okay, somebody has got to put a flag in that part of the, the territory and say, you need both kinds. If you're an enterprise, you got to tell stories with data, but you have to tell stories about your data. Why managing this data upfront and building that foundation is important to everything an enterprise does that it wants to do at scale. And is also important to the analytics side because mm -hmm. 
in a data story that an analytics person tells, the plot comes from analytics, but the characters in that story actually come from data management. What I mean by that is if you tell a, an analytics story, might be the headline might be our, you know, our market share is down in our top regions. And so we want to execute some kind of targeted promotion to incentivize our current customers. Let's just sort of say that as a generic kind of plot, if you will. What are the characters in that story? It's your products, it's your services, it's your market definition, it's your relationships around customer. All these things are defined and structured and governed on the data management side. So being able to, getting a little meta here, but being able to tell the story about that story is important as well to get the data management folks incentivized and kind of uh, galvanized around the fact that they've got to be in the room when these other stories are being constructed, that the characters of your company, the nouns of your business are managed in the data management side. And it's, a, it's as important. I'm not looking to try and outrank anybody, but at least trying to help the data management folks get a seat at some of these strategic tables where they tend to be not invited. Mm -hmm. I think, Scott, this requires a little bit more depth, like uh, from your book, telling your data story, right? So you make a very clear distinction of telling, you know, storytelling with the data, basically the meaning, the data meaning, and then st storytelling about the data, and then the hat that you have, it says truth, and I think that is what you wanted to uh, convey, that's the, the truth of data, right? And then uh, under that, uh, I really would like the listeners and audience to know your take on it, but you put like a data governance, master data is about the storytelling, you know, about the data aspect of it. If you could uh, you know, compare and contrast this thought a little bit more, I think it'll be very, very helpful. Sure, sure. And a lot of people talk about the space, right, as data and analytics. Mm -hmm. So I look at that and say, all right, data is, especially data management is about determining the truth. That's what we want to do, not in some philosophical personal journey, but if you're at a business, you know, what's our customer hierarchy? What's our product classification? These are things that so many decisions are built on in an organization. And you've got to build that foundation of truth, determine that truth before you start to derive meaning out of it. And the derivation of meaning comes from business intelligence, AI, data science, all these things that people are doing on the analytics side. So bifurcating the space between truth, determining the truth and deriving meaning. And I'm obviously on the truth side, hence the meaning of my truth hat, as you noticed. I find it helpful to reinforce that order for people because it's not a chicken or egg situation here. It is egg and omelet. You can't have the omelet deriving meaning until you've got the eggs in terms of determining the truth. So there's a real kind of linear path there. And, you know, we can sum that up in a lot of different ways. People often say, you know, well, it's garbage in, garbage out, G-I-G-O, rubbish in, rubbish out. You know, these kinds of cliches that we've all lived with in the data business. Part of the reason to write the book was I don't feel like those are working. Mm. So if all you did was say, oh, G-I-G-O, well, who's taking action off that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little deeper conversation than just simply a glib kind of comment from the back of the room from the you know typical data manager goes, hey, I told you we should have done this because the crap's coming out of there and we can't use it. So it's, you gotta be a little more strategic than, than that kind of anecdote, but uh, it, it's, it's the same theme. 
right? What you put in is what you put out. I call it the, I tried to elevate this idea to the golden rule of data. Do upon your data as you would have it do upon you. And that kind of golden rule approach, I think at least elevates the GIGO conversation. And Scott, who do you think in, in, in an organization is ultimately responsible or who are the players responsible for pursuing this truth? I mean, I feel it falls into in a, in a modernly organized organization in the CDO office. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, that, that chief data officer who should own data for the organization, the same way a CMO owns brand, right? A brand is all through the organization. Sales sells the brand, finance tracks the brand, manufacturing makes the brand, but the brand positioning, the brand stewardship, the brand equity, the brand governance, I'm using those words on purpose, are owned by the CMO, I feel like a CDO should have that same kind of remit and, mm -hmm. and lead where the company goes and, and obviously be able to articulate as, as well as anybody the value that data is bringing to the organization. In, when there isn't a CDO, then we get into this issue of, okay, IT is, you know, I think Doug Laney often says the CIO forgot its middle name, right? It's, you know, it's information technology. It's not really sort of information. We've lived in this world where the focus has been so much on the infrastructure and the technical side rather than the content of the data itself. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to answer your question. I feel like, you know, if there's a CDO, they got to own it. So, so actually, uh, Scott, along these lines, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, this is, uh, again, about your personality as well as your profession. So there are people, your data evangelists like you, right? So uh, providing services uh, and then actually influencing the organizations to think about data, why they should think about the truth in data and things like that. So but how do you, uh, I mean, get your message out, right? So there are people like you right so i'm one of them and then peggy is one of i know it's like she does from her yep. perspective so we all are trying to do it but in terms of making sure that your message gets out uh how do you do it like what are you uh, trying to make sure that you come out of this clutter and noise to get I, I try and take my perspective which i think is fairly unique i try and put a lot of humor into it but i can be serious as well i can write white papers but as we talked about i can do puppet shows too Part of it is the discipline to stay on message, no matter what the tactic is, and to be really focused. So I, when I work with somebody directly, if I work with a company, I probably spend as much time talking about what I don't do for them <laughs> or what I can't do for them versus what I can do. But it's looking at all these different tactics and staying on that same message, not wavering from it and making sure that, you know, there's, there's reach and there's frequency, but if you can keep figuring out different ways to talk about the same thing, then it breaks through the different audiences. Some people like to read white papers. Some people like to watch puppet shows, but if the message is the same, you're getting it out there no matter what. I do a lot of events as you've seen, I kind of do both sides of the mic in terms of interviews and as an interviewee and an interviewer, but I'm always talking about the same thing eventually, which is the strategic value of proper data management. Great, 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 Scott. Um, and let's talk about some of the, um, on your LinkedIn profile, you've done data consulting work. 
So one question we always like to ask um, folks that um, embark on, you know, as, as a data consultant is, what do you do when you first meet the organization, the team? Um, what type of questions um, do you ask um, the stakeholders in order to ascertain or determine um, the level of data maturity or, or the gaps in the data organization? What are you thinking about? I'd love to hear your, your thought process. Um, you know, for example, you've, you've done like consulting work at other firms, but take an example and walk us through your, um, your data consulting hat. Sure. To, the kind of consulting I do today over the last couple of years is different than the whole rest of my career. Um, and so I'll kind of answer the whole rest of my career part first. That's where I was either working for a brand, like I said, Nielsen or Dun & Bradstreet, WPP, Kantar, these companies that I worked with or consulted for. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.